0: Welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming
1: community. Hello and welcome to the Polygamer Podcast episode number 75 for Wednesday, March 21st, 2018. I'm your host, Ken Gagney, returning after a brief hiatus. I apologize for having missed the February show, but I recently started a new day job, which I'm sure you don't want to hear about. Suffice to say that it's been a little overwhelming, and I fell a bit behind But now I'm eager to get back on track, and joining me today is an alumnus of this very podcast, Mr. Matt Baum. Hello, Matt. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. Aw, you're too kind. Well, last time you were on the show, you were here to chat about your documentary, Playing with Pride, and we may catch up on that later. But today, you're here to talk about your new adventure, The Queens of Adventure. What are, or what is, The Queens of Adventure?
0: Yeah, so Queens of Adventure is a podcast that we're starting up. It's uh, real drag queens playing a real game of D&D. It's super exciting. We're basically blending everything that people love about big huge over the top drag shows and uh, thrilling exciting epic fantasy D&D adventures uh and bring them all together into one big show. Uh we've got uh, an amazing cast of some drag queens uh here in our hometown of Seattle uh who've been uh doing um live shows where they play D&D uh and now we're uh, branching out and putting it out onto the inter- onto the internet as a as a podcast that uh, anyone can listen to.
1: Awesome. I have so many questions about the drag scene, about your podcast, your show. Let's also get up front the fact that you are currently on Kickstarter for this project and is, in the interest of full disclosure, a Kickstarter that I've backed. Well, thank you. You're quite welcome. I wish I could give more, as always. But tell me about the Kickstarter. What is it that you need the Kickstarter to accomplish?
0: Yeah. So, uh, we're big believers in, uh, supporting queer artists. And so, uh, we set up the Kickstarter so that we can make sure that the party doesn't die of exposure so that they, uh, that, that, uh, everyone who's involved creatively in this is getting paid. So we've got our, uh, four performers. Uh, they're, uh, Arsene Nikki, Freya Love, Harlot Oscara, Butalino Kippel. Uh, they're longtime drag artists here in Seattle. Uh, they've been doing a lot of, uh, queer community, uh, and, uh, queer art, uh, for years and years and years. Uh, at various shows. Uh, and then we've also got, um, uh, artist Chad sell, uh, doing, uh, some art for the podcast, uh, to go along with it. Uh, he's also designed just a gorgeous, uh, postcard for the show. It's, um, the, Printed on foil and, and backers of the Kickstarter uh, are able to get that uh, of this uh, very epic uh, drag queen, uh, you know, with the rays of power emanating from her. Uh, so we want to make sure that uh, artists involved in the show are getting paid. And we've also got a musician uh, who are, we've uh, want to make sure that uh, he gets paid to uh, to compose music for the show. That was the reason for for doing the Kickstarter. We're also uh, reaching towards some stretch goals now of uh, live streaming some of the uh, adventures. So we'll have uh, live streams up of, of the queens playing live and interacting with an, with an audience. Uh, we've hit, uh, three of those stretch goals so far, and, uh, we're moving along towards, uh, being able to have a theme song done for the show, being able to, to pay for that. And then, uh, if we can make it, uh, to, uh, our top stretch goal, uh, we want to have a fully illustrated module an adventure that people can download and play. Uh, that's part of the, the whole Queens of adventure universe.
1: Now, I would say that those goals might be ambitious, but you hit your crowdfunding goal pretty quickly after launching this Kickstarter.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh we're really excited. And uh, you know, uh, there's a part of me that's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this that there's this appetite for it." And then there's this other part that's like, "Well, yes. Uh this isn't a total surprise because uh we've been doing uh, a live show here in Seattle uh that we called uh, Dungeons and Drag Queens uh where similarly we have our four drag queens uh playing a and d adventure for a live audience, and those shows always sold out every time. Uh so there's definitely uh demand for something like this. Uh something that combines uh the you know, queer culture of drag shows and the imagination and fantasy of D and D. So uh, putting it out onto the internet, uh, it's been a relief and uh, a surprise, but not a complete surprise that uh, people are willing to to back the Kickstarter. So uh, we're we're super excited that that we're able to hit that funding goal and and reach for some exciting stretch goals.
1: Now help me understand how surprising was this? Was this your first Kickstarter campaign?
0: Yeah, very first Kickstarter
1: campaign. Wow, so you didn't have like this long history of crowdfunding techniques and practices that you knew would be successful and that you applied. You were just kind of hoping for the best
0: we're learning as we go. Uh, that having been said, uh, I do have uh, for some of my other work uh, is supported on Patreon. So I've got a podcast called Sewers of Paris, where I talk to gay men about entertainment that's changed their lives. Uh, and so uh, that's been supported uh, on Patreon. Uh, I also do some YouTube videos. Uh, I have a series called Culture Cruise, where I talk about queer content on um, TV and in movies and books. Uh, and uh, I have uh, Patreon supporters who, who keep that going. Uh, but that's more of an ongoing type basis and this is the first time we've like kickstarted a project uh and and certainly the first time we've kickstarted something that involves uh, other people uh besides just me you know i it's one thing to have a patreon for my podcast and my youtube videos uh but uh doing something this big and this ambitious with so many different creative people is uh, uh it's it's definitely the biggest undertaking uh i've i've done so far
1: Oh, that's super exciting. And you mentioned The Sewers of Paris. You are, of course, an accomplished podcaster in your own right. Will you be able to repurpose any of the equipment for this new project?
0: Well, that's one of the other things that we're kickstarting for is, um, you know, I've got some equipment and software that I use to edit uh, that podcast. But recording um, six, five to six people around a table is going to be a little bit different. Um, We have uh, we've done some test sessions where we get uh, all the drag queens together. um, And something that we've discovered is that just having one or two mics is totally insufficient. Feeding everything all together into uh, one track is it's not really going to work for editing like a big group podcast. Uh, it turns out that when you get drag queens together to play D&D, uh, there's a lot of laughing and shrieking and like muttering under the breath and, um, you know, sort of cutting remarks muttered to the side. Uh, so we need some more sophisticated audio equipment in order to record everybody and have it be a pleasant experience uh, for the listener. Uh, so that's where some of the other kickstarter money's going we're you know getting uh microphones and uh you know uh, uh, recording uh, a little box to record everything onto and and then just like basic stuff like uh you know we got to make sure we've got enough cables to <laughs> to feed everybody's mic into uh into one machine so it's uh we're basically creating uh, my partner James and I are doing this together we're we're sort of creating a uh recording studio in our apartment uh for this show
1: and you can fit all your entire cast in your apartment
0: Uh, yeah, just barely. Uh, we were able to get them all together a few weeks ago. Uh, everybody in full drag, uh, sitting around a table. Uh, if you go to the Kickstarter, it's at queensofadventure.com. You can see, uh, the video that we, uh, shot with them. Uh, you can see some footage of them sitting around the table and rolling the dice and, uh, consulting their character sheets. And, uh, everybody's got a glass of wine in front of them because it's kind of important when you get drag queens together, make sure that, uh, you, you got that flowing. Uh, but yeah, you can, um, you know, we we, we, we kind of crammed him in, but, uh, but we've got him there, wigs and all.
1: <laughs> that does sound like fun. So that's the Kickstarter portion of our episode. Let's talk about the actual show that you are Kickstarting, which is, as you said, a bunch of drag queens playing Dungeons & Dragons or other RPGs. As I warned you before the show, drag is an aspect of diversity that I know very little about. So not only for my benefit, but also possibly for our listeners. Can you give me sort of a drag 101?
0: Yeah, sure. So, I, uh, you know, something that, uh, I think might be a little prohibitive or, I don't know, intimidating, uh, for people when they come to drag is, uh, that there's a lot of references and it seems like there's a lot of rules and, uh, there's a, a certain way of talking, um, and there's a certain history to it all. Uh, but it's actually, you know, that's one of the things that drag has in common with D and D, that there's a lot of lore and backstory and, um, just, uh, accepted ways of, of, of going about playing. But, uh, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is if it's fun, you're doing it right. Uh, Whether it's D&D or whether it's drag, uh, the same holds true. So, you know, I guess a a one-on-one on drag is basically uh, what you need to know is that uh, drag is a way of exploring slash celebrating uh, gender and, um, you know, taking a look at the rules of how do we Dress ourselves up as a man. How do we dress ourselves up as a woman? And say, okay, well, those are the rules. But what if we broke some of them? Um, and so it's a, you know, sort of a, a form of—I uh, don't know—it's it maybe a little too highfalutin to say that it's like social hacking, but it's uh, you know a, a way of uh, changing your presentation and um, experimenting with the way that you put yourself out into the world. Uh, RuPaul has this saying where uh, she says, "We're all born naked, and the rest is drag." and i think that's really true it's the way that you uh dress yourself up and present yourself we're, we've all you know we're all wearing a costume uh at 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 any point during the day uh and so what most people think of when they think of drag when you think of a drag show or going to a bar or watching drag race is something that is extremely heightened and over the top and uh larger than life uh which is something that you know that's one of the things that makes drag very very fun um you know it's not just like, uh, you know, how can I put on, can I, can I put on a wig and, and look like, um, you know, just an average woman? It's, can I put on the largest wig I can find and the sparkliest dress that's ever been made and the most ostentatious necklace, uh, and really heighten, uh, the, the sort of codes that we use to, to signify, uh, gender? Uh, and, and that's sort of, um, I think that's that's what people find when they when they go to drag uh that's what people are looking for and and that's the fun of it uh is uh really getting big and extreme and goofy and over the top and 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 having a good time
1: so can anybody of any gender identity expression or sexual orientation engage in drag?
0: you know that's something that um everybody has a different answer to, and we've been very uh deliberate and very clear with our show that uh we have set this in a very inclusive fantasy world, uh, where the power of drag is available to anybody who wants to unleash a hero within. Uh, we're celebrating all genders, all orientations, all people who want to come to drag are welcome. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I believe very strongly is, is that, I mean, why why would we turn someone away from this super fun, uh, you know, art form? Uh, it's It's absolutely open to everyone.
1: If I may ask, do you yourself engage in drag?
0: Well, I mean, it depends on your definition. So RuPaul's saying about it, everything is drag, as long as you're not naked. Um, So, you know, when I just go out of the house uh, on any day, uh, wear my clothes, you can make the case that that's drag. That having been said the thing that people normally think of when they think of drag of like the big hair and the wild makeup and the huge sparkly dresses. That's not something that I've given a, cha- a shot to. That's not something I've given a chance, but um you know, I, I think like a lot of folks uh, I've got sort of percolating inside of me, a-, a drag queen that is waiting to come out. So, I mean, it's only a matter of time. This is, Doing the show is the first time that I, it's the most that I've ever been involved in a drag show. Uh, I've been involved in drag shows in the past as a photographer and sort of behind the scenes. Uh, but this is the first time I'm actually, you know, putting myself out there. I'm the dungeon master for all of the games, but, uh, I'm not doing it in drag yet. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see where that goes.
1: You know, I, I apologize. I just realized after asking that question that most drag queens operate under a pseudonym. And I was basically asking you to out yourself. I apologize.
0: Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, You know, uh, it's, um, one of the other things, you know, not, not that RuPaul is the person, you know, the, the ultimate authority on drag, but, um, something else that RuPaul has said about drag, uh, is that drag never takes itself too seriously. And, you know, that's, um, an approach that, that we're certainly, um, trying to adopt with, with the show is that this is something that we're doing for fun. It's something that we're doing to have a good time and to laugh and joke around. Uh, so, um you know, it's uh, it's not something that we are uh, getting too, um, you know, like theoretical or rulesy about. In um, the same way, like D&D, uh, you know, we, our approach to that is it's something that we're doing for fun. It's an exploration. It's an adventure. It's uh, a fun, goofy time. And we're joking around. Uh, so, you know, ultimately, we're, we're here to enjoy ourselves and uh, have a good time with friends.
1: So, why did you choose to combine Dungeons and Dragons specifically with drag? Why not just, why not the LGBT community, sort of like you did with your Playing with Pride documentary?
0: You know, it's funny actually because. It all started with just the name. For literally years, uh, my partner James and I have just been kind of joking around about the name Dungeons and Drag Queens and saying, oh, wouldn't it be funny to have a show called Dungeons and Drag Queens where Dungeons, where drag queens play D&D? Uh, and then, you know, we got to a point uh, this past summer where we've been talking about it for so long, we were like well, let's just do it. Uh, and, uh, the next thing we know I'm up on stage DMing. Uh, but I will say like it was a huge experiment. Um, we did our first show in August, uh, around, uh, PAX with Penny Arcade, uh, here in Seattle. I had never, uh, DMed before. Uh, I had never played D&D uh, up until a few weeks before the show. We knew that it was going to be a great way to, um, engage with drag queens and to tell a story. Uh James, my partner is a uh experienced game designer and this is a world that he knows very much. And so working together we designed the adventure for them. Uh and he taught me how to play D&D and he taught me how to DM. Uh and uh so you know, I came into it thinking, "Oh, I'm I, you know, th- there was a long period where I was like, this is too complicated. This is too hard role-playing games are, are, are there's too many numbers and too many rules. I'm never going to get it. Uh, but then he just kept, you know, showing me the manuals and walking me through it. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, I get it. It's just, you're telling a story and sometimes you roll some dice. Uh, and that's what got us there. And as far as like combining D and D with drag, um, What we found is that those two things go together really, really well, unexpectedly so. Uh, A lot of our drag queens, a lot of our performers had the same approach that I did, the same hesitation of like, oh, well, you know, this is something that's very technical and I don't know how to do this and it's not for me. And then as soon as they started playing, they realized, oh, wait, I've just I've been doing this all along. Drag is all about creating a persona for yourself and this extensive backstory and bringing your skills to the stage and also, you know, your liabilities, the things that you're not so good at, but uh, being lifted up by your fellow performers. And it's so similar to d and d where you create a character and you unleash this hero that's waiting within this you you tap into your inner bravery uh to go on an adventure uh and uh you you're there with a the party and everyone's working together uh it, it's just remarkable how well d and d and drag Fit together to, you know, the way that we describe it is is whether you're you might be slaying a lip sync on stage or you might be slaying a dragon somewhere, uh. But uh, the the common thread is that is that you're slaying it. You're brave and you're putting yourself out there and you're representing something that might feel very internal and hidden within. Uh, and drag and D and D give you uh, an opportunity to put it out in front of people, uh, in a way that is really
1: celebrated. So, given that natural symmetry, is there a history between these two communities, between Dungeons and Dragons and drag? Surprisingly, very little.
0: There are certainly uh, queer people who play D and D, and there's certainly uh, D- people who play D and D who love drag. Uh, and we've been searching for um, other people who are bringing these two things together. And you know, it's 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 happened. It's not you know an impossible thing to do. I think on its face. Dragon D and D seem like they're just two completely different worlds because of you know the the stereotypes that that are you know conjured to mind when you think of these things. When you think of D and D, you might think of you know like on Stranger Things, uh, some kids playing uh, in a basement. And when you think of drag, you think of uh, some wild, extravagant thing in a in a bar someplace. But ultimately, it's all about uh, imagination, fantasy, and adventure. And uh, we're so excited to to you know brought these performers together at this uh, really exciting, fun intersection. Tell me more about your performers. How did you choose this specific cast? So we really lucked out with our cast. Uh, They're all uh, local Seattle uh, drag performers. Uh, We've got Harlot O'Scara and Butelino Kipple, who are a real-life couple. They've been together for many years, uh, and they do a show called Family Meal uh, once a month at a place called Cremwork here, which is uh, also the the same building where we do our, uh, our live show. Uh, and they, uh, are very, you can think of them as more, uh, experimental drag. They both have, um, Harlot has a beard and Butylene has, uh, a mustache. Uh, and, you know, when you go to a family meal show, you are definitely going to be surprised and challenged and you're going to see something kind of strange and goofy and playful and fun. We've also got Arson Nikki, who uh she likes to try to do more transgressive drag. So there's a, a real um a quality to her drag where you're like, I'm looking at some strange otherworldly creature and I don't know what exactly I'm seeing, but it's so compelling I can't look away. Uh, And then we've got Freya Love, who's another one of our performers uh, who performs at, uh, I believe, Julia's here in Seattle uh, doing a more traditional kind of drag, uh, you know, where it's a lip sync and uh, crowd work and entertaining uh, people uh, over drinks. Uh, But she's also super creative. Um, She, despite doing more traditional drag than our other performers, uh, she's really the the wild card of the show. Um, She's very new to D&D, so uh, she came to it completely fresh. And she's definitely the one who surprises and challenges me the most as the DM. She's the one who says, can I use this spell in some way that has never occurred to anybody else to use this spell? Uh, She's a water genesee, which means she has a lot of uh, uh, water-based magic. So she's always trying to use her water to, like, oxidize an enemy or, uh, crystallize ice uh, around an enemy. She's using it to float strangely in water or, um, she's taking on a deity, uh, that she worships that's uh, basically share. She really like startles us every time we're doing a show. Um, so we've been doing the live show that we called, uh, Dungeons and Drag Queens. Uh, that was, you know, for an audience at Cremwork and Timber Room here in Seattle. Uh, now Queens of Adventure is the podcast. Uh, so we'll be able to do a more ongoing type of adventure and get those four queens, uh, you know, on a, on a more, uh, serial sort of, uh, quest. So, uh, they'll be able to, instead of just having like a two hour live show one-off adventure, uh, we're going to be able to have them uh, doing something a little more uh, ongoing, uh, which, you know, I- I'm super excited for because they've all worked together, they're colleagues, and uh, they've been doing shows uh, and partnering on-, on live performances for a long time. Uh, so it feels like a very natural fit to have them uh, going on a, uh, you know, a fantasy adventure in the same way that they have been doing uh, drag performance together uh, over the course of
1: many years. How have the live shows been received? I assume positively, since you're turning it into a podcast.
0: Yeah, they sell out very fast. Uh, We uh, have done four so far here in Seattle. Uh, The first one we did around PAX. uh, Then we you know, and it was a huge experiment to be like, is there anything to this? Is this going to work? And we were convinced when we were doing this, like, this is too weird. And we're going to get five people there. And they're all going to be our friends who we beg to come. And sure enough, the night of the show, there's literally a line around the block. Uh, then we did another one for Halloween, uh, where they were in a uh, haunted amusement park. Uh, we did one for the holidays, where they were in um, a blizzard. Uh, we just did another one. It was a mystery set on a cruise ship. Uh, and every single time line around the block tickets sold out, uh, when we're recording this, we're about to do a live show in San Francisco. That's, uh, on the 20th. Once again, you know, where this, it's a big, uh, experiment because we're going to a new city. Uh, we're going to see if people are into it, uh, are doing Queens of adventure live for San Francisco for the first time. And once again, tickets are moving very fast. Uh, I think we've only got a few available, uh, and the shows in just a couple days. So, uh, It definitely seems as though there is demand for that, uh, you know, a a craving uh, for LGBT heroes uh, to, you know, inspire people and uh, remind people that they're part of a big tribe of, of queer heroics.
1: You've mentioned a couple of times that you've done the show around PAX, but not at PAX. Do you bring your show to game conventions?
0: Well, so the show that we're doing in San Francisco, we're going to be doing uh it coincides with the Game Developers Conference. Uh and we would love to do more uh around uh, uh conferences. So, um you know, PAX was a great opportunity for us to do our first one. Uh we did our most recent one during uh, Emerald City Comic Con here in Seattle. Uh, and we're looking ahead, uh, on the calendar, uh, to future cons in Los Angeles and New York. And our hope is, you know, now that we've got the the basics of it, now that we know we can do the live show, now that we know the Queens of Adventure, uh, is, you know, gonna, it's, it's gonna be fully funded for its first season as a, as a, um, a podcast. Uh, now we're, you know, we are very excited about taking it to cons and saying, uh, hello, we have this show, we know how to do it and we'd like to put it on for you. And and people seem to want this. So, uh, it's definitely something that, uh, we want to do more of.
1: So you're saying the live show will continue even once the podcast launches?
0: Yeah, we'll see, you know, how much we're able to fit into our schedules because we're biting off a lot here, but, um, as long as people want to see it, we're going to keep making it. Um, you know, we've got, uh, uh, a lot of recording to do for Queens of Adventure, uh, but, you know, nothing beats the thrill of having a live audience there uh, laughing along with you and letting you know um, how excited they are. You know, we do every time in the live show, whenever I say roll for initiative, that gets a big round of applause. Uh, we also have interactive elements with our audience where uh, the audience um, has paddles. Certain people in the audience have paddles that they can hold up to add one or subtract one from any dice roll. Uh, so we always make sure to incorporate our live audiences and with the podcast, uh, we've hit three stretch goals so far, which means that we are going to be doing three live streams. And so we're super excited about, uh, having a live online audience watching us play. The Queens are going to be in full drag. Uh, they're going to be interacting with viewers, uh, who are watching us. It's probably going to be, uh, on Twitch, uh, or it might be YouTube gaming. We haven't really worked out the details on that yet, but, um, yeah, we're, we're just super excited about, uh, Having people watching uh, and playing along, and uh, uh, you know, being participating uh, in the uh, the big queer adventure that we're going on.
1: What happens when you don't have that live audience, though? As the podcast won't, how will the show change as a result?
0: That's a great question. And it's something that we've been paying really close attention to with uh, the test recordings that we've been doing. Uh, Between the live shows, we actually did in between downtime adventures where we had the queens leveling up and uh, going on sort of mini adventures and having a little bit of combat. You know, we've been doing those as sort of... um, sort of practice pilots for the podcast. Um, and so, you know, what we figured out is that it gives them a little more time to not having the audience there and not having the time limit gives them a little more time to go wandering and to be like... Oh, well, you know, I know that the adventure is, you know, we're being directed into this combat encounter and, and we've got to get to the end of the show uh, within two hours. Uh, but I just saw, uh, you know, like some weird wild animals scurry down uh, a back alley and I'm going to go chase it. Uh, and so when we're doing the podcast, it really gives them an opportunity to chase down tangents and also just to riff on each other's comedy uh because ultimately it's a it's a comedy show it's a uh it's super funny when you get a bunch of drag queens together having the the microphones in front of them and saying like just you know go on this adventure and do what you want uh and it's going to continue week to week uh gives them a lot more time and a lot more breathing room to uh make fun of each other or to uh come up with some Bizarre solution to a problem that takes more time than we'd be able to do on the show. Uh, it gives them a lot more time to just do the, like, riffing and going off on weird, hilarious tangents, uh, and making references to drag race or queer history or, uh, just, you know, uh, it's somebody's, um, wig or shoes or whatever. Uh, you know, it, it uh, it really, uh, opens up a lot of possibilities, uh, for the show. You know, we've had in the live show, There's a breakneck pace where they're Either um, there's one show where they were fighting killer wigs. There was another one where uh, you know they were uh, at an amusement park and they had to identify um, animals in a, on a carousel that uh, they had to sit on to bring to life. Uh, there was a challenge where they had to vogue. Uh, and these are all very visual things. Uh, so on the podcast, um, we're really focusing on weaving a picture and, and painting a world of fantasy and imagination uh, for, for
1: the listeners. You'll be missing not only the audience from your recording, but also – the visual aspect. As you said, drag can be larger than life, and I'm sure a lot of that comes across in the personality and the delivery, but also I'm sure some of it comes across in the visual and the aesthetics as well. How will the show compensate for not having that visual component?
0: Yeah, it's true, and something we're really aware of. A big part of drag is the look, but that having been said, there's more to drag than just an outfit. You know with the podcast, we do have um some art that we 've had uh, chad sell who's a, a really celebrated drag illustrator his work's been featured on drag Race in the past uh doing some visual work for us um, but beyond just uh the look of the outfits uh drag is also an attitude uh it 's a conjuring up like I was mentioning before of uh something uh, a bit more internal and and uh more inward uh it's the bravery and the creativity and the fierceness uh, that uh, a lot of people have sort of percolating below the surface. Um, so even when you can't visually see the drag performers, hearing their voices and hearing their attitude and the fun that they're having and the way that they're bouncing off of each other, uh, drag slang for that is um, a-, a-, a kiki. Uh, it's uh, having basically having a party where uh, people are just having a, a gay old time and uh, being goofy and fun and silly. Using a lot of drag slang with each other, uh, being very fierce with each other, uh, you know, giving each other, uh, what are called reads. Uh, reading somebody is a usually affectionate, um, gentle insult where, you know, it's basically roasting someone, but in a very sly sort of way. There's a documentary called Paris is Burning that's sort of a a foundational text for modern drag where reading and shade is described as the art of, I don't have to tell you you're ugly because you know you're ugly, uh, and and getting that idea across without actually saying the words, you know it's it's a a, a very affectionate joking way of uh, uh, interacting and, and teasing each other. So a lot of it is just the persona of the performers, and again, it's something that fits very well on top of D and D, and it's something that fits very well on top of drag, uh, having a persona that's larger than life and uh a uh, uh, goofy and big and bold. Uh, And isn't necessarily the way that you would talk to people, just like walking down the street or going into the office, but really setting your imagination free and your inner hero free to to say the things that are just at the back of your mind uh it's something that that works great in drag and in D&D so uh you know we've we've definitely got the attitude there uh and then our hope is that uh we'll be able to have uh, art of the adventures and uh have some more visual stuff and and you know that we're like I said we're doing those live streams so uh, people will be able to see us on the live streams as well
1: Will the cast be in their outfits even for the audio podcast recording? That's something
0: that we are uh, figuring out. Um, there will definitely be for the live shows and definitely for the um, uh, live streams. Um, I don't think it's going to be exactly uh, – there's definitely not going to be like full glamorous drag when we're just recording the audio. Um, something that we found from doing these test recordings is that um, drag queens, it turns out, have really – uh are really skillful at imagination and uh as soon as you say oh, okay here's where you are you're in this castle and there are monsters charging at you and you're armed with your weapons uh one of our uh, drag queens has a uh, her packed weapon is a vibrator uh and uh you've got your stiletto heels and you know you're just painting this portrait of where they are with your words drag queens are really good at picking up on the picking up the lead from that and envisioning themselves in that environment. So uh, what we found is that whether they're in drag or out of drag, uh, they can just snap right into character. And it's, it's something that's really fun to watch around the table.
1: I saw some footage from your second show back in November, and it sounds like it's not just the cast that engages with D&D differently from a different set of players would, but also the adventures themselves are different. For example, I saw a scene where they were discussing cutting a glory hole in a restroom, I think. And and that doesn't seem like something that might come up in somebody else's D&D game.
0: It's true, yeah. Um, We've definitely found an intersection of nerdy D&D RPG references and queer culture references. And it's something that uh, is really rewarding when we can make those two things happen at the same time. Uh, so like you said, there was the uh, the glory hole based puzzle. Um, there was also a puzzle involving different gay archetypes. So um, you may be aware that gay men sort of characterize themselves physically into categories that include bear and pup and otter. Uh, And so we had a sort of taxonomy of creatures that uh, was part of a puzzle the queens had to solve. Uh, There were killer wigs. Uh, We had uh, mannequins that came to life that we called mana queens. So uh, incorporating uh, D&D into, uh, incorporating queer culture into the game has been very fun. Uh, We also uh, made use of um, this real life thing called Polari. Uh, Polari was a type of slang that was used mostly in uh, queer theater circles in England uh, about 100 years ago. Um, It was a real language that just sort of evolved uh, out of necessity for uh, queer people to talk to each other without attracting the attention of police. Um, And it's where we get words like zhuzh when you talk about like zhuzhing someone's hair. And a lot of other, like, little gay slang that has survived from Polari. Uh, and so we've rolled that into our game, uh, and we call it Draglish, a language that is known to drag queens, uh, that allows them to speak to each other in the same way that you would have, uh, you know, whether a character can speak, um, you know, an elvish language or, or a dwarvish language. Uh, we've created a, a Draglish language, uh, for our players. You know, it's, it, it's something that the audiences respond really nicely to, uh, when, You know, you, you hear something that is a reference that you know not everyone is going to get, but you get and the people around you get. It's a signal of we're all in this together. We're talking to each other. We're part of the same group. Uh, we're all part of the same family, a chosen family, uh, which again is something very queer. It's something that a lot of LGBT people are familiar with is setting out into the world and forming a logical family that may not be biological, but, uh, is people that get each other and support each other. Uh, And it's something that we are really happy to see fostered, uh, both at our live shows and with the community that's building around Queens of Adventure, the podcast, Uh, and something that we're really looking forward to fostering as the project goes on.
1: So it sounds like James has been busy and that he's not just using off the shelf campaigns and modules. He's creating this world.
0: Absolutely. I am just blown away by the work that James does on these adventures. Uh, we work together to create them, but James is really, uh, the mastermind who he has a ton of experience, uh, as a game designer. He's worked at LucasArts and Capcom and LeapFrog, uh, designing games there. And, uh, now he's brought that sensibility. Uh, you know, he really knows it's fun. Like it's amazing, like how skilled he is at understanding what is enjoyable and fun and what makes for a good game, uh, and how to blend freeform creativity and a little bit of rules and structure in a way that, uh, is a pleasure to play and a pleasure to watch. Uh, so he's been creating the adventures wholly from scratch, um, going through the, uh, uh, Dungeon Master's Guide and, uh, creating, uh, enemies and puzzles and environments and settings and situations and scenarios. Um, completely, you know, it, it, they're all, they're all coming from him with a little bit of input from me. Uh, every now and then, uh, James needs me to explain, uh, some queer reference because I've been a LGBT journalist for many years and it's very much my world. Uh, when we first started doing our first adventure, um, there was a a a moment during our first live show where one of the queens said that she was gagging and, and afterwards James was like, "What does gagging mean uh and so I explained to him that gagging means that you are just thrown you're you're taken aback you're blown away um and it felt very much like when I go to him and I'm like, now how does proficiency work and I need him to explain some aspect of d and d to me uh so you know in addition to blending um the Queer stuff that I'm a real expert in and the game stuff that James is a real expert in uh, for for an audience for blending those things together for people who are watching uh, it's also something that has uh, really nicely um, brought us together as a couple uh, we've been together for about fifteen years and it's it's really helped us um, understand each other and understand each other's passions uh, in a way that even after fifteen years you know it's it's been a new way for us to to relate to each other and create something together as a couple.
1: Did you and James have to have a discussion about which one of you would have been the dungeon master?
0: uh no actually so i'm usually the uh face of the projects that we work on james is very behind the scenes so whether we're doing a video or a podcast or a live performance or whatever it is uh generally james is the uh mastermind who is very good at designing an experience uh and then i'm the one who goes out there and and smiles uh, at everybody and uh does the the actual hosting of stuff. I'm not 100% sure about this. It's just occurring to me now. But I I think um, I might be more of the uh, charisma-based character while James is optimizing for intelligence.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm sure you both have ample quantities of both.
0: I like to think so. Uh, You know, (laughs) like I said, I came to D&D very recently and was really pleased by how accessible it is. You know, I'd always thought like, oh, this is not for me. I don't understand it. It's too complicated. Um, and then, you know, I was able to pick it up very fast, uh, thanks in large part to James teaching me, but also because fifth edition of D and D is just super fun and well designed, uh, and, uh, easy for people to come to. So, you know, even if somebody has no idea how D and D works, you know, it's, it's very easy to listen to people playing and to pick up what they're doing. Uh, if people have listened to The Adventure Zone or Harmon Quest. You know, it's it's very much like uh, a radio play uh, with uh, occasional numbers being thrown out that you can pay attention to if you want to. And if you're not interested in the stats, that's fine too.
1: Now my understanding is that the Dungeons & Queens live show is not also the name of the podcast. The podcast is called Queens of Adventure because you didn't want to necessarily restrict yourself to games that sound like Dungeons and Dragons. Is that right?
0: Well, yeah. So um, Queens of Adventure we settled on um, because it, it really sums up what's going on in the show. They are queens, they're on an adventure, and we're using queens, you know, to mean anyone who unleashes that inner hero. Uh, like I said, it's open to people of all genders, all orientations. Um, it's something that uh, we feel very strongly is accessible to everybody. Queens of Adventure just, it, it felt like the right thing to describe what we're doing.
1: Now, with the live show, you would do one-off adventures, so you pretty much know the beginning and the end, and you can try to squeeze it into two hours. But with a campaign, an ongoing one, like you'll be doing with your podcast, I know from my own experience playing D&D, you can never tell where you're going to end at the end of each session. So how do you know how many episodes of your podcast you're going to need? Oh,
0: boy. I mean, it's something that... um We've really been honing uh, in the course of doing the live shows is, uh, just how much of a, a hand the DM needs to have over the proceedings. Uh, and it's something that I've been learning as we go. We definitely are going to be more open ended with the podcast. Um, but we also, you know, have, uh, we're not just like setting off into this, uh, completely blind and with no idea where we're going. We have things that we know we want the queens to encounter. We have experiences we know we want them to, to go through. Uh, and so my job as the DM is, you know, to give them the freedom to explore and do their thing and be drag queens and be outrageous and ridiculous and silly, but then also bring it back and say, okay, well, we've been making jokes about uh, this, um, you know... D- this wig shop that we've been in for the last five minutes. And uh, now uh, the uh, mercenaries that you are running from are rounding the corner and coming towards you. So we're going to need to move along. Uh, what are you going to do? So, you know, it's just a matter of DM, keeping an eye on the clock, keeping an eye on the players to know like what is enjoyable for them. Uh, thinking through like, what does the audience want to hear? uh, and, uh, basically being, being a director, uh, that's what I've been learning as, uh, as DM for our live shows is, uh, I'm sort of a director that's out there on stage with the players as they're playing. So yeah, we, um, have a, uh, season one, uh, you know, kind of roughly mapped out how many episodes we're going to have and, uh, what we want them to be doing. Um, but, uh, I have absolutely no doubt that the Queens will, shock and astound and uh, frustrate and confuse and uh, give us all kinds of challenges uh, along the way. I mean, they already in, in the live show, they'll, you know, come up with some ludicrous solution to something. Uh, that just leaves me speechless. Um, you know, in our holiday show, uh, we had, uh, Harlot Oscara was fighting a, a Yeti and, uh, she came up with this incredible move where she like climbs the Yeti and uses her stiletto heel as a weapon to jump off of it and does this impressive move, like a backflip onto a tree. And I'm like, there's so much going on here. I don't know how to roll for any of it, but there's no time to like stop and look stuff up because we've got an audience of a hundred people watching us. So, we're just going to roll with it and let's see if we can figure it out. Uh, and I think that's actually been the most fun part is when they shock us, uh, with something completely unexpected and, uh, make life very difficult for me as DM. That's been the time that I've like felt intense panic. Uh, and also I think that the audience has really enjoyed watching me squirm and solve the problem. You know, I'm throwing problems at, th- uh, at them of like, here's a Yeti. What are you going to do? And then they're throwing problems right back at me. Like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Figure out how to resolve this role. Uh, so, you know, the, really, it's it's a process of um, uh, coming up with problems and solutions and, and, and just being in a race to who can come up with, with the most in the shortest amount of time.
1: When the show is recorded instead of live, do you think you'll take that opportunity to either look things up in books and manuals or to edit the podcast before it goes live?
0: There will definitely be a little bit of editing um, just to make it a pleasant experience. You know, like if somebody drops their dice on the floor, nobody wants to wait around for 15 seconds while someone chases dice. But, um, you know, I think part of the fun is uh that we're just barreling ahead. And uh, there's absolutely a, a play style that uh celebrates the uh, rules lawyering of making sure you're following the rules by the letter. Um, but something that we readily acknowledge is that we know most of the rules, and we follow them most of the time but uh there are times when uh that call for some creative problem solving uh that is going to be more fun and sillier and more extravagant than uh you know the the buy the book uh solution to something and I think this is something that wizards uh you know and and d and d acknowledges where you know they've got rules uh specifically saying um if something if something's working if something's fun for the group go with what's working and what's fun for the group uh and what's fun for the group is uh making stuff up on the fly and being surprising uh so i think there there'll probably be minimal procedural content for the um you know by procedural i mean you know like the the actual like kind of courtroom robert's rules of order uh and a lot more of drag queens doing their drag queen thing uh you know something that uh Butylene pointed out is that uh when you she's doing a drag show because she leads she hosts family meal which is the drag show that they do at creme work here um things are always going wrong somebody broke a heel their lip sync didn't play they were supposed to throw confetti but somehow it got stuck in their sleeve there's supposed to be some fake blood in a number and it just the bag of fake blood leaked out all over the stage there's things that are always going wrong and um dealing with things going wrong is part of doing drag. Dealing with things going wrong is very much a part of the D&D that we're playing. And, uh, you know, I, I think part of the pleasure of that is the acknowledgement that like, okay, things are going to go wrong, things are going to get screwed up. And you know what, it's okay, because we're all in it together. And we're going to solve some problems together.
1: Speaking of things going wrong in your Kickstarter FAQ, you write, We want to create a show that is friendly and inclusive for people of any gender identity, gender expression, or sexual orientation. We may make mistakes, but we will listen to feedback and make changes to be as welcoming as we can, end quote. What sort of mistakes have you made or are you anticipating?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel pretty pretty good that um, I don't think we've made... Uh, any i, I don 't think the the show the live show that we 've done has done anything to make people feel unwelcome that having been said I, I recognize that when talking about uh gender and orientation uh it's it can be a very sensitive subject for a lot of people and uh justifiably so i I think that that that's as it should be uh, it's something that's very important to a lot of people and when something's important uh and language is important and terminology is important uh there's always a possibility that you're going to step on some thin ice that you didn't know was there. Uh, I, to my knowledge, I don't think I'm trying to trying to remember if we've done that at all in the live show. And I don't think we have. Fortunately, we've been very sensitive about, uh, you know, making an experience that everyone feels welcome in. Um, but the possibility is always there that, uh, we're accidentally going to use a wrong pronoun or that we will, uh, lean on a trope that, uh, is, uh, offensive in some way that we weren't aware of. Uh, and what's important to us is that we have an open mind, uh, if someone points out that we've made a mistake or points out that we've done something to alienate people or to just give people a bummer feeling, uh, because that's not something we want to do. Uh, we want to listen to feedback and, and hear if that's happened. We want to hear from listeners about, um, what would make them feel comfortable and what would help them have a good time listening to the show. Uh, cause again, you know, we're, we're ultimately doing this to have a good time and to, to enjoy each other's company. It's something that I've heard other podcasts do very nicely. Uh, it's something that I've seen other performers do very well. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect, for example, for uh, another local Seattle drag queen, Ben De La Creme. Uh She's been speaking really eloquently about uh, her belief that drag is for everybody uh, and her respect for uh, a lot of the transgender queens that have appeared on Drag Race. Um, I just saw a live show with um, Jinx Monsoon who is uh, another Seattle drag queen uh, who's had, uh, you know, she's, she's really been a pioneer when it comes to, um, uh, uh, you know, using pronouns that affirm someone's um gender. Uh, so, you know, I want to pay attention to the language that people use to uh, be inclusive and welcoming to all. And uh, if we do at some point make mistake and, and make someone feel bad, uh you know we want to make sure that we're aware of that and that we uh are effectively uh apologizing and uh improving um and uh you know it, it's it, from having been a queer journalist for many years uh you know i know it's it's always something that can happen um you can always walk into some terminology that people don't want to hear uh, because language changes, and the terms that we use now and the way that we talk about things now is is very different from how it might have been ten years ago. you know, ten ten years ago, uh, I had no idea I, like I personally, as as a queer journalist, uh, I really was not sensitive to uh to pronouns. Uh, you know, at most, I would have said, uh, uh, you know, referred to someone's preferred pronoun um you know, not really thinking through, well, it's really not a preference. It's something that affirms their actual gender. Uh, so it's something that, that I've had to learn and, and get better at. It's something that I've seen other uh, drag queens learn and, and get better at, um, you know, welcoming people of different uh, genders and orientations into shows. Uh, and so, you know, the more drag opens up to more people, the more people who can play in that space and have a good time, uh, the better.
1: Well, I was going to close by asking what your goal is for this podcast beyond just entertaining people, which itself is worthwhile. What else do you hope will happen by merging these two communities and showing them off to the world? It sounds like you sort of just answered that.
0: Well, yeah. You know, with a lot of the work that I do, my goal is just connecting people and uh, bringing people together in a way that they can have a good time. Uh, ultimately, the goal of the show is let's have fun. Uh Let's... Connect with each other. Let's understand each other. Let's go on an adventure together. Uh, we could see from our, our sold out shows, uh, here in Seattle that there is this powerful craving for queer D and D. There are simply not enough LGBTQ heroes out there. So we want to have this podcast, uh, as a, uh, essentially a, a beacon, a safe place, uh, a, uh, a, a, a haven for folks who are, who want to see queer heroes going out into the world and, uh, who can, you know, we want people who are listening to feel like they're part of that family, that that big extended family of, uh, D and D geeks and drag geeks and, uh, people who are passionate about, uh, playing a game and performing. Uh, we want, uh, everybody to, to feel like there's a place where they're welcome, uh, and where those different interests can, can overlap. And I think that's something that we've done in a way that I'm really proud of with the show. And I'm just really excited to to get the podcast going.
1: Well, I'm really excited to listen to it. And I'm so glad that you're one of those people who is pushing for that more inclusive world and are creating the channels and the media that enable it to happen. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks for, thanks for your interest in it. It's something like, I know for you, like not not knowing anything about drag, uh, we definitely want to make this uh, a show that someone who doesn't know about drag or doesn't know about D&D, that's, it's something that you could just walk right into and, and be welcome right off the bat.
1: I know only slightly more about D and D. The last time I played was seventeen years ago, and it was a D and D Second Edition. I was playing a oh, wow. little half elf thief.
0: Okay, there have been a lot of cha- <laughs> you know. There's been a lot of changes, but also there's a lot that's still very similar. Um, James and I were just watching the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the eighties. Uh, Oh, my God, I uh, love that
1: show so much.
0: (laughs) It is so campy. I mean, you know, I just use the word campy to describe it, which is, you know, a word that often is used to describe drag. But, you know, even there, there's Tiamat is in the first episode. You've got Beholders in the second episode. You've got your uh, acrobats and your uh, thieves and your wizards. Uh, There's a lot that's very familiar about it. So, you know. The the rules may have changed a little bit since 1980 uh, something, uh, but uh, you know the spirit of it of we're gonna go and uh, have an adventure and use our imaginations. I mean that's that's always gonna be uh, just baked into the DNA DNA of of the game.
1: So that's what you're gonna do is you're gonna advertise to people of our age demographic and you're gonna say if you grew up watching the Saturday morning cartoon you'll love <laughs> Queens of Adventure.
0: I hope so. I hope the people who grew up with the cartoon <laughs> love it. I hope the people who love Drag Race love it. I hope the people who are playing D&D for the first time now love it. Uh With 5th edition, there's a lot of people coming to the game very fresh, like me. You know, I was just listening to a thing about how, like, it's very big in Hollywood right now. Like, Joe Manganiello is a big D&D player. Vin Diesel plays a lot of D&D. Uh, of course, we, you know, you've got folks like Felicia Day, who are like, uh, you know, icons of, of uh geeky queerness, um, with, um uh, or at least queer friendliness. Um, so seeing um, seeing how many people are I, I don't want to say closeted, but seeing how many people you might not expect uh, are playing a, a role playing game like are just deeply invested in is something that like really warms my heart.
1: I was wondering how you've acclimated yourself into this culture of D anD D that you're fairly new to. For example, do you watch Felicia Day and Will Wheaton YouTube shows? Do you read Knights of the Dinner Table? What do you do? Yeah. So, um, a, a
0: couple things. Um, I, you know, I'm just like voraciously, uh, reading through the books. Uh, right now, uh, I'm reading through, uh, tales, uh, of the yawning portal, tales from the yawning portal, uh, just to get a little better about uh, understanding what makes for a good adventure. Uh, of course, I listened to the, uh, dragon talk, uh, podcast that, uh, Greg Tito does at Wizards. Um, uh Matt Colville has a really fantastic series of YouTube videos that's you know teaching people how to be a good DM um you know there's the the Force Gray series that uh is very fun to watch so uh, and if, uh, the adventure zone has been a huge inspiration for us um you know listening to uh you know people who have a great chemistry with each other that's um a family it's brothers and their dad playing D&D um listening to them uh play and and watching Harmon quest uh where you've got a bunch of comedians sitting around a table uh telling a story and being funny and you know striking that perfect balance between just jokes 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 but also you guys we have an adventure to go on so it can't just be constant jokes all the time so those those are those are some of my influences uh there's also a great podcast um that's based here in Seattle called uh, d20 dames uh that's really lovely and and uh, a really Beautiful, gentle approach to to role playing games. Uh, it's a cast of all women who are going on an adventure, um, and uh, I uh, just I, I love listening to that show. Uh, and there's more out there than I can possibly consume, so I've just been gobbling it down wherever I can find
1: it. And Queens of Adventure encapsulates and draws from the best of all of these media.
0: That's my hope. Uh, yeah, that uh, we can learn from what other people are doing and build on it. And, and hopefully they'll like what we're doing and, and they'll incorporate. I mean, my dream is uh for... Uh, the, the queer content that we're putting into Queens of Adventure, uh, to see that reflected, uh, in other shows, for that to have a ripple effect out into other D&D and for people to, you know, incorporate mana queens or, um, you know, we've got, uh, some, uh, recurring NPCs. Uh, we've got one, uh, a gnome that we've named Nomi Malone, which is a reference to Showgirls, uh, the, the main character in the movie Showgirls. Uh, you know, I'd love to see, like, some more queer references being, um, Picked up by other other D and D groups, uh, so hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we can we can have as much of an impact on uh, other people as as they've had on us.
1: And remind everybody where they can find Queens of Adventure to make
0: all this happen. Yeah, it's at queensofadventure.com. Uh right now that's uh pointing towards the Kickstarter where you can uh back the uh first season. Uh we've uh funded the like the base of the first season, so now we're reaching for some stretch goals. Uh those are some live streams with the queens um and then also um it, you know, it would be a dream come true if we can reach this point of uh hiring some artists to do a fully illustrated uh adventure that people can download and play themselves uh i'm so excited for that we're also working with um a composer named major scales uh who uh is a, a composer here in seattle who works with jinx monsoon and does a lot of um cabaret uh type uh music uh so we're hoping that uh we can get to a fundraising point where we can hire him to do a, a, an original theme song for the podcast uh so queensofadventure.com uh is the uh is the kickstarter oh and of course we've got some really fabulous uh rewards for backers too um you know, it's very important to us that we incorporate the audience so uh, backers can uh, vote on game elements. So they can have a a big impact on the game. Uh, backers can, um, name elements of the, of the world, uh, that, uh, that we're setting up. Uh, there's a gorgeous postcard that we're printing on. It's like shiny foil, uh, with a beautiful drag queen on it, uh, that we're mailing out to, uh, to backers. Uh, people can, uh, get bonus episodes of the podcast for backing and sponsor episodes or sponsor a whole season. Uh, so, uh, we're, we're really excited about, uh, using those those back rewards to to draw more of the audience into the experience because uh you know it's not just us talking to listeners we really want them to we want listeners to feel like they're a part of the adventure as well
1: excellent i'll include links to all of those in the show notes fantastic matt it has been such a delight to have you back on the podcast again i hope next time maybe you'll bring james with you we'll
0: see he's a very mysterious figure he's shadowy and unknowable but uh you know you can you can see him lurking in the background at some of our uh, some of our live shows
1: well i would certainly hate to dispel that mysteriousness <laughs> so i will just channel him through you okay good great thank you so much matt have a good day thanks you too talk to you later this has been polygamer a game bits production find more episodes read our blog or send feedback at polygamer.net uh,